Finance. Hey, welcome everybody to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast where I normally interview people to find out how they achieved financial independence, uh, but today is different. Today, the tables have been turned. You'll remember that I interviewed Mr. and Mrs. 1500 from 1500days.com at last year's FinCon conference, which was held in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, this year's FinCon was in San Diego, California, and Mr. 1500 emailed me beforehand and said, hey, why don't I interview you for your own podcast? So since I had so much fun with those guys last year, I, of course, said yes. Uh, and this year's was even more fun because I didn't have to think of any questions to ask or anything. So this is uh, Mr. and Mrs. 1500 from 1500days.com interviewing me, the Mad Fientist. Hope you enjoyed. Live from the Trade King studio at FinCon 2016, this is the Financial Independence Podcast. And this one is a different one. I'm actually not going to be interviewing anyone today. I'm being interviewed by two of my favorite people of all time, Mr. and Mrs. 1500 from 1500days.com. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> so I, I have no idea what you have planned, so I am just going to turn it over and hope for the best. <laughs> okay, first I have to thank the Mad Scientist for this opportunity. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And before we get into it, I have a little story I have to tell. Let's, <laughs> let's take a little trip down memory lane. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're recording this right now at the FinCon conference, and it's 2016. Uh, my first conference was back in 2013, and it was right after I had started blogging. So I'm an introvert. I'm absolutely terrified of what I'm doing right now, actually. And uh, that first conference, they had, a, they had a big party the first night. So uh, I'm standing there like a deer in headlights. I just started blogging and uh, not talking to anyone. I was holding on to my beer for, for dear life, just <laughs> kind of looking at the ground. And this guy comes up to me, looks at my tag, and says, oh, hey, I, I've read your blog before. And I'm like, Who's that guy? I have no idea who this person is. So I look at his tag and I see it's the Mad Vitus. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! I felt like a teenage girl and uh, Miley Cyrus or whomever teenage girls pay attention to would just come up to me. So at that point, I kind of felt a slight bit of validation, and it was one of the uh, inflection points of my blogging career. And uh, so that was wonderful. And uh, <laughs> well, that, the the feeling was mutual, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway, I calmed down a little bit after that. I still had to drink lots of beer. <laughs> so anyway, uh, last year, I had the pleasure of the mad scientist interviewing Mrs. 1500 and I, and I was equally terrified. But again, that was another big stepping stone for our blog career. And uh, ever since then, the thought that's been in my mind is the mad scientist gets to have all this fun up on stage interrogating people. And uh, <laughs> But what I've wanted to do is point the microphone back at him, and today we have the chance. So I am terrified. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now and start interrogating, I mean asking the mad scientist questions. So the, the first thing I really want to know, uh, pre-mad scientist, what was your upbringing like? You're obviously, uh, uh, <clears throat> I know that you're an engineer and uh, you have the same mindset, but what was your childhood like? Were you brought up to be frugal or how, yeah. did, how did you become to be who you are? Yeah, I, I don't know what caused it. Um, my brother's not like I am, but uh, it was definitely ever since I was a little kid. Um, I just love money. I always wanted money. Um, I always wanted to have a portfolio to manage someday uh, and invest it. My dad bought me uh, five shares of stock when I was really small. I can't remember when. It was it was when you still looked in a newspaper to to see what the stock price was every day. So he bought me five shares and I, every morning I would look in the paper and check out the shares. And, um, and yeah, my family has tons of different stories about like, you know, keeping me busy all day by throwing coins in the pool secretly. And then I'd spend all day like going in the deep end and almost drowning to, to pick up a quarter at the bottom of the pool. Um, 
so yeah, I, I don't know why, but yeah, money has always been a big thing. Um, and yeah, I've always liked math, and I think the engineering mind was always always there. And uh, um, so yeah, I think it was I think it was from day one. And I don't know where it came from because my brother's not like that. He's he's good with money, and I actually want to get him on the show to talk to him about it because he's he's doing a very different path, but he's still really good with money. Um, but yeah, I, it's definitely inbuilt in my in my body somehow <laughs> cool do you remember what those first five shares of stock were and yeah, uh, do absolutely. you still hold them to this day or? yes i do and they're the most annoying things in the world because i get i have to claim them i, I have to record my dividends on my tax return and it's like two dollars and like 75 cents <laughs> um i think i'm up to four dollars a year now which is great so um and i can't find the shares because they're actual physical shares back in the day and i can't figure out how to sell them so um but yeah it was pepsi Wendy's, um, Disney, and ADP. So I think it was actually four shares. And it, there may have been another fifth, but I can't remember. So ADP was the company my dad worked for. So, okay, yeah. cool. And I still own – one of them I was able to sell because some company contacted me and they're like, do you want to offload these since you only have two? And I think it was Disney. They're like tired of sending you checks for $2. So do you want to just sell them? And I was like, yes. <laughs> nice. So moving on, what was your first real job and what age were you when you started working? Uh, my first real job, I guess, um, was probably Jersey Mike Subs um, when I was 15. I may have had a restaurant job before then, but I think I think it was yeah, I think it was probably Jersey Mike Subs. And uh, yeah, so 15 years old, and then I was I was manager by 16, so I had keys to the store, um, which wasn't probably a good idea because <laughs> we would <laughs> sometimes open the shop up at like midnight after. Uh, being out drinking and things and then make like a number 17 Philly cheesesteak and uh, and then clean the grill and then go home. So, um, I, but I never burned down the place. So yeah, that was probably my my first real job. Success. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So uh, what was your inspiration for the Mad Scientist? Uh, what caused you to start Mad Scientist? Yeah. So I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but like I'm a, I'm a really terrible computer person. Like I, I got into computer or computer programming because I was I liked math and was good at math, and um, oh, we got a FedEx truck coming. Sorry, um, and uh, <clears throat> so I never was like really a big computer geek. So I didn't even know what a blog was until I stumbled upon GetRichSlowly dot uh, dot org, um, and uh, that's JD Ross' site, and he's been on the show before, and he's actually at this conference. So I'll see if I spot him walking by, but. Um, so I didn't really actually know what a blog was, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, that, yeah, that's what I'm doing, and, and uh, I just want to get rich slowly. There's no, like, I don't want to buy a fancy house or a car. I just want to have a big portfolio and be wealthy one day, but I want to do it properly. Um, and then from there, I found earlyretirementextreme.com, and then that changed the game because that was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that, but now that's exactly what I'm saving for. So so when I started getting real into it, like just like super pumped on it, um, and I was like, I know I can get there quicker if I do a lot more research and like figure out strategies to like, you know, save better or save more, invest better. At the time, I thought it was going to be an like invest better, um, but it's it's turned out that investing is quite easy with index funds. So it, it, it evolved into like tax optimization and things like that. Um, so I was like, I know I won't do that research unless I have some sort of external motiv- motivation to do it. So I was like, I'll start a blog. I'll write about it and I'll have to, you know, I think teaching people is the best way to learn something yourself. Um, so that was the the main uh, source of inspiration. And then I also started this podcast at the same time and I was like, cool, this is, I can, I can just call all these cool people that have already done it and get all their tips 
and figure out how to get there quicker. So it was all selfish. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ed, you mentioned the strategies, and that's probably my favorite part about your blog. Uh, the question I, I probably get most often on my blog is, you talk about how much you love your 401k, but you can't get to it till 59 and a half. And I just heard this same question come up in a session yesterday. I think I looked at you and pointed to the mad scientist like, the mad scientist needs to be on stage because there is all these strategies and, and they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. They're perfectly legal. Um, they're wonderful. So yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't know about any of these until I saw your guest post on, on Jim Collins. And, uh, oh, cool. So my question was, do you enjoy, I know you said you did it because this forces you to talk about them, but it seems like you might actually enjoy reading IRS documents. <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't. And that's the thing, like, that's the only reason I was able to do it was because it was purely selfish reason. So like a lot of people ask me to like write about 529 plans or stuff for kids. And uh, I just don't because I don't have kids, so I, I don't find it interesting. So reading the tax documentation would be just a, uh, a big slog. So that's why I don't do it. <laughs> okay. So uh, could you cut that part out of the podcast? Because I tell everybody, go to the mad scientist because he takes all these really boring government documents and he translates them into English. <laughs> so if you could just take that out so people don't know that I'm lying to them, that'd be great. <laughs> well, I do do that, but yeah, <laughs> I don't, I just don't I mean, there, there are some documents that you have slogged through that yeah. are interesting to you. Like you don't have kids, so you didn't do the kid part. Yeah. Well, I can find that information someplace else. Right. Just not know that. Yeah. Cause I'm not going to go through those documents. But <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Once I get into it, I get really, really into it. Yeah. It's like, you can get a lot of tips that you would never, ever, ever read because you're not going to read those nine inch thick documents yeah. and mad scientist reads them for you. Yeah. So yeah, take that part of the podcast out, please. <laughs> I will. Edit that. <laughs> okay. So one of the posts I enjoyed most and was uh, most interested in talking to you about was your your Dartmouth master's degree. So here you are, a guy that's planning to retire early, and yet you decide to get a master's degree from a Ivy League <laughs> university. I thought you were, uh, I, I never thought you were actually mad until I read that. So are, are you actually mad? What, what, why did you go back to Dartmouth for a master's degree? I was completely mad. So whenever I see that something's free, I'm like, well, I have to do that. That's amazing. Like I had always wanted to go back to school at some point. Like I wanted to try graduate school. And then we moved to Vermont, and we moved really close to Dartmouth, actually. And I was like, well, this would be great. I wonder if they give employees a way to get a free degree um, if, if after working for so many years or something. So I looked into it, and it was the case. So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to apply for a job so I can get a free uh, master's degree. And uh, and then I, I went there, and I, I had to work for a year before I was able to get it, or before I was able to start the program. But then I was like, um, why isn't everybody doing this? This is like you can get a free Ivy League degree. Why is everyone not taking advantage of this? And then it was like two weeks into the program and I was like completely stressed out with all the work I had to do on top of my <laughs> full-time job. And then the math scientist was kicking off at the same time. And, um, and I was like, oh, this is why no, nobody is doing this because yes, it's free, but my life was hell for like two years. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was worth it now that it's done, but uh, it was uh, not not the most fun thing, especially because like at the time I was, I would rather, I was so focused on financial independence that I would have rather actually been reading those tax documents that we talked about earlier <laughs> than reading whatever I was assigned. So sure. Okay. So, um, next I want to talk about the financial independence movement and, uh, we've had a lot of steam lately. I've noticed that bad scientist has been on the front of Yahoo, not once, <laughs> but twice in the past month. What was that like? <laughs> well, you know, just as well as I do, because you were, you guys were the ones that led the way. So, uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. 1500 smiling faces were uh, looking back at me at yahoo.com. Um, 
a week before it happened to me. So I was uh, I was emailing you, emailing you guys and congratulating you, and then uh, somehow it happened at the exact same a week later. And uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was very. I would have been I would have freaked out had I still been working, but it was a good timing in that I didn't I wasn't working anymore, so I wasn't concerned with my bosses finding out, which was the which was the main thing that I was worried about. Um, but a lot of friends did that I didn't think would uh, see it, and so my sort of mad scientist secret life came out then. Um, but I know it was probably a lot more scary for you guys because you are still working and your bosses found out. So uh, I, could you tell that story because it's uh, amazing. Yeah, we were on Yahoo once, and it was kind of against our will. We uh, we were on a podcast, a Farnoosh Torabi podcast, and then that made its way into CNBC, and that eventually made its way into the front page of Yahoo. So we had no idea this was coming. I, I look at my blog one day, and I see it's got, like, way more hits than it usually does, way more than the three hits I normally get on a day. <laughs> so I uttered a couple profanities that aren't fit for the Mad Scientist podcast, so you can imagine what they were. And uh, that happened on Monday, so... It, my whole blog, the whole point of my blog is about quitting work, so I, I really hoped my work wouldn't find out, but I, I thought they eventually would, and it turned out they did. So <laughs> that happened on Monday, and I, I got all the way to Thursday morning without anyone saying a thing, and then I, I log into my email, and the subject line of one of the emails says, Carl, you're on Yahoo, <laughs> and my heart just sank. I'm like, I can't oh. even imagine. Yeah, I'm like, the gig is up. It, it's all over. This is my last day of work, which, which would have been okay, too, because... Uh, I have enough now, so it would have shoved me over the cliff that it's hard to push myself over. Uh, but the surprising thing was, oh, and what happened was the person who found the article sent it just to me and to the most talkative person on team, <laughs> on the team, the most gossipy person on the team. So within about three seconds of that, all of my work knew. And I, I was pleasantly just surprised to find that none of them cared. I've got this blog about quitting my job, and none of the people at my job cared about it at all so um, that's great yeah life went on as normal it was very strange and a bit surreal so it, it's, and it's a relief to have it out in the open now finally it, it is it, yeah i actually felt the same and it, it yeah it, it's nice that some of my good friends now know because it's it's sort of i didn't tell them at the beginning because i thought nobody would ever find out about it and then it's sort of grown into this crazy thing and now it feels weird telling them about it now but it, at least it's i'm not waiting any longer Okay, I'd like to talk about your retired life now. You just left your job uh, a couple months ago, right? What was that like, and how's life been since then? Yeah, it was it was actually a pretty interesting transition. So yeah, August first was my last day, um, and yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I freaked out a bit the first day, like because I I just realized what just happened, and I don't think I ever really thought about it as much as I should have like it's a huge thing and then I was like wow I don't have a job anymore this is crazy and had I not had like Matt Feintis' project to work on I would have um, you know I think I would have really freaked out because trying to start something new when you have all the time in the world would have been really difficult so luckily I had like the Matt Feintis stuff to keep me busy um, but then it was only after that first day that I sort of fell into a good routine oh my voice is going sorry um <laughs> That's always happens at these conferences. Um, but yeah, so after the first day, it, it re I started like really getting into a nice routine. Um, and really, it, it, it didn't feel too much different than work, which was pretty cool. That was a, also a good realization. It was like I'd worked myself into a, such a flexible, stress-free job situation with working remotely from Scotland that, you know, uh, retired life didn't seem too much different. But except I, I found myself waking up more excited every day because I was 
excited about the projects that I was going to tackle rather than just like, you know, dreading what I was going to have to do. So Okay. And that's an awesome segue into what I'd like to talk about next. I'd like to read a couple quotes. Uh, the first one is, the biggest problem with ambition is that nothing you achieve ever feels like enough. And that's from the book Leap by Tess Viglin. The next one, one of my favorites is, a perpetual holiday is a good working definition of hell. And that's from George Bernard Shaw. The next one is, I actually don't use the word retirement very often. Stopping work doesn't appeal to me. It was never about cutting the cord on work altogether. It's about having the power and the freedom to do what I want, when I want, to work on the things that I want to work on, regardless of whether they pay or not. The final quote is, it's important to retire to something rather than from something. And those last two quotes are from the mad scientist. So but my question for you is, uh, well, I'll back up a second here. Mr. Money Mustache likes to talk about the early retirement or the retirement police. Oh, you're retired. You don't have a job. And yet you're still working. And I can see where they might have a small point. But I want you to reconcile. How would you reconcile? What would you tell people who say, well, you quit your job, but you're still working. You're full of crap. Yeah, I well, one, I don't care. Um, it's, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I've learned to not care what other people say because, as you know <laughs> from our Yahoo exposures uh, recently, that uh, there's a lot of negativity uh, and lots of people saying crazy things. So, um, so yeah, that's why I, I try not to use the word early retirement, uh, the words early retirement. I instead do uh, financial independence means so much more to me because that's exactly what it is for me. It's not about stopping work and it's not about um, not doing anything else productive. Um, it's it's being able to choose the productive things that I pursue uh, regardless of whether there's a monetary reward. So Yeah, and, and I think that's absolutely the key. One thing I always tell people is your, uh, your retirement is going to be an amplification of your free time. So if you spend nothing but eating donuts and watching reruns of I Love Lucy or <laughs> Whatever some retired people do, that's a recipe for disaster. You should never stop working. So, Absolutely. I, yeah, I really liked what you say. It's about doing the things that you love regardless of pay. And I, I think kind of the same for me. I write code, and I love writing code, so I might continue to do it. But the measure of my success won't be money. It'll be something else. It'll, it might be if anyone downloads my app. So Right, yeah. and that puts you into a really powerful position because you can do things that other people can't do because they need to have the income. So you can t- tackle these sort of uh, projects that other people won't. Sure. And it's very interesting. Another thing I'm sure you found, Mr. Money Mustache is a good example. These people become way more successful and monetarily successful, even though that wasn't their goal when they're retired. They're not trying for money, but somehow it works out exactly. that they ended up financially more more successful. Absolutely. So uh, my MacBook froze up at the moment, so I'm going to go back <laughs> to paper here for a second. Sometimes old technology uh, works well. Okay, and uh, my technician has just restored it. We, we, we don't have much time. That's why we're talking so fast, by the way. Yeah, we have a very short amount of time, yeah. but it is beautiful. We're sitting outside it. Uh, you'll see the pictures on the show. It, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. For anyone who doubts early retirement, look at the pictures, and uh, you have nothing to say to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it's Thursday at almost 11 o'clock in the morning, and we're out here in the the beautiful San Diego sunshine. Hanging out yeah. with friends. Life and just is talking. rough. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we, we've drunk um, a, a lot of beer. Uh, <laughs> life is very good right now. Unfortunately, it's too early to drink. Even we have limits. So. It's so, noon somewhere. Yeah, right. yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. Maybe after this is done. Okay, I'm going to ask you a couple quick work. Uh, one more question and then we'll get into some fast questions. Ooh, uh, nice. So uh, I know one of your big goals in retirement is travel plans. I'd like to hear more about that. Where are you going? Where you where you plan to go? What some of your favorite places are? And I, I hate when people ask me this during interviews, but I'm going to ask you this anyway, and you can punch me if you want to. Where do you 
want to do in five years, ten years, or do you not give a shit? Okay. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So we're uh, this is the start of a big trip, three month uh, tripper all the way around the world, actually. So we flew uh, into LA, and now we're in San Diego. We're going to head to Mexico on Sunday and spend about a month there. And then we're going to go down to Peru for about a week and then Ecuador for just over a week and then back up to the States for a bit and then Japan for uh, 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 most of December and then head back to Scotland in time for Christmas. So that's that's the travel plan. And then we're going to settle back in Scotland for a bit and uh, try to get some productive stuff done that I've, I've been wanting to work on. So. It's a good thing you don't have a job. You don't have time to work. Exactly. No, I know. It's. Uh, I feel busier than ever, which is uh, which is great because it's it's all good stuff that I'm working on. So that is awesome. Okay, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions now. Uh, who inspires you? Oh, everyone here that I'm friends with uh, inspires me. They're all doing fantastic things and uh, really helping a lot of people in the world. So, yeah, uh, and my family obviously inspires me a lot. Um, my wife inspires me. She's over there. She's she's smiling at me in the sun. Um, but yeah, no, they just I, I'm lucky that I can interact with such intelligent and motivating people. So every time I come to one of these things and chat to people like you guys, it's always a uh, I always feel really energized to keep doing what I'm doing and keep putting stuff out in the world. So cool. What worries or keeps you up at night? What worries you? <laughs> I am very worry free. Um, I want to know what drug he's on. <laughs> I know. Uh, we have. <laughs> I, I get made fun of by my friends all the time because they're, they're like, you're never stressed about anything. I, I, let's see if my wife can chime in on that one. You, you know him better than me. Like, I feel like I'm not worried all the time, but uh, I'm sure I worry about some stuff. Uh, it's mostly optimization. Like, I, if, if we plan something, it has to be the, the most optimized version. And if so, for some reason, like, a cheap flight doesn't fit into the schedule, I, I get freaked out about that and stressed. Yeah. And then... But yeah, relatively stress-free, which is uh, which is good. You know, that's the thing about an FI life. My midi, my wife and I have fights about how we pack our suitcase. So I, I roll my clothes, and she insists on doing something else that's far less optimal, and you have to waste Folding more them. space. So yeah, folding them like normal people. I, I roll them too. Yeah. Pro tip: roll your clothes. It's better than a wrinkle. Here. It is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can you throw out some of your favorite books? They could be uh, financial or otherwise. Yeah. So the. The book that had the biggest impact on my sort of outlook was How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. And I think that's, even though it's not a financial book, it's uh, it's an amazing book for getting the sort of mindset that you need to do something crazy like pursue or, or, or like a financial independence or early retirement. Because it just sort of makes you realize that you are in complete control of your life and everything that you think you need to do because of societal pressures or family pressures or, you know, trying to impress other people, you, you just don't have to. You can build the life that you really want to live and not have to do what everyone else is doing. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my top one that I usually recommend to people and it's not a financial one at all. So, uh, okay, cool. I have a final question and I'm going to go back into the suitcase and how you pack clothes, but, uh, <laughs> mad scientist actually wrote about this, but I'm a wimp and I'm actually too afraid to ask this. So I'm going to turn it over oh, to no. my wife who fears nothing. And she's going to ask the question. I, I apologize in advance. I take, I take full blame for this question. Don't, don't blame my wife. In a famous post, you said, when talking about suitcases, uh, my screen just went blank. Uh, I don't like it when clean clothes touch dirty clothes, touch clean clothes, but Jill is gross and doesn't mind. So first off, how dare you? She is gross. And second off, 
how long did you have to sleep on the couch? <laughs> yeah, so that is that still grosses me out. So anytime we share a suitcase, it is like the biggest ordeal because I'm like, where's your dirty clothes? I don't want them touching my clean clothes. And uh, so now that we have separate suitcases, which are backpacks, and I have a completely separate compartment at the bottom that was made for dirty clothes. So I'm obviously not the only person that doesn't like mixing them. Uh, but yeah, Jill, it's just like a free-for-all. She'll go for a run and she'll just like pile her running clothes in and it's like what are you doing what's the point you should just not wash your clothes ever so so jill's a delightful woman (laughs) you look at her and you never think wow she's dirty i would never have a problem with my clothes my clean clothes touching jill's dirty clothes because she's not gross right so you are wrong definitely oh yeah definitely not gross but yeah uh yeah her habit is gross. <laughs> cool. Well, well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I, I want to close with one thing. Uh, with my blog, I've, I've often thought about writing about financial financial strategies and, and some of the stuff that the mad scientist writes about. But his stuff is so good, there's no need to. So, Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. It, it, the, the thing is with investing, it's all long-term. So how many, some of his strategies might be super evident at first. But, for example, he just wrote one about 401ks and whether it makes sense if you're going to retire early, the different withdrawal strategies. And even taking it and get the tax hit actually turns out working better than not contributing and doing it after tax. So his information is amazing. It should be required reading for for anyone who's involved with uh, anyone who does any kind of investing. So I love referring my readers to him because he's so thorough. His posts are good and he's got these great visuals. So uh, that's why I love the mad scientist. So Thank you very much. He should be required reading for everybody who doesn't invest, too. Oh, thank you very much. You guys are both uh, fantastic. I can't believe you uh, offered to do this. This has been so much more uh, uh, enjoyable and relaxing than it was when I interviewed you guys last year. I was so freaking out. So uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thanks. I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Finance.